thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Amen. I love you, Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. Tell the person that is next to you, he is risen. Tell him he is risen. Awesome. It is an incredible day to be in the house of God. We don't celebrate a purple bunny or uh, eggs full of candy, although that's fun stuff. We have a God who is not in a tomb. We have a Lord that we serve that is not buried underground. He hasn't spent thousands of years underneath the ground. He is in our hearts. He is alive. He is in heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he will come back a second time. And I believe wholeheartedly that this is the difference between religious people and disciples of Jesus Christ. If Christ is risen, our lives should show it. In 1173, the Italian architect Bonanno Pisano, say Bonanno Pisano, there you go. He began a good work and uh, it began, he began to build this famous project. And I have a little picture up there, I don't know if it's ready yet. Uh, this, this famous project, all of you guys have heard of it or seen it. Uh, I got the chance to see it in person, and honestly, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. And it is the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? Pisano. And so Mr. Pisano built this work of art, and of course you go there and you think, oh wow, that's incredible. It's the way it's supposed to be. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. This tower was supposed to stand straight. It was supposed to be 185 feet tall. And over the course of 174 years, people tried, the architects and the builders, they tried to straighten it out. And they could not straighten it. They even tried to build the upper floors at a slant to try to make it look more straight. And you simply cannot correct this structure. It's been standing for 800 years now. And it is 10 degrees off course, meaning 18 feet away from where it should be. And here's the crazy thing. It is said that it's to fall anytime. This tower can and will fall. Why? Because it did not have the right foundation. Foundation. It's amazing how we can build our lives around the wrong foundation. The foundation of Christianity, the foundation of us, is the resurrected Jesus. If Jesus did not resurrect, then Christmas is nothing but a marketing scam. If Jesus Christ didn't resurrect, then there's no reason why he should have come. If Jesus Christ didn't overcome death, I have to tell you this, it is the worst possible news this world has ever, ever heard. How do you know we won the second world war? Were you there? Was I there? None of us really were there. But we can see the effects of the victory. If we didn't win the second world war, this world would be completely different. Can you understand what I'm saying? Can I explain it properly? I wish I was more eloquent to be able to share this message with you and get it in your heart and in your mind. That the effects of the cross, the except of the one, the effects of the one who died on the cross and resurrected are proof of his existence. If that was not enough, there is so much more out there. There is this, this group of men that were following him, his 12 disciples, all but one. Right? The other one, the one that we're going to talk about today, his name is Judas. All these 11 disciples, the other ones, they deserted Jesus. They gave their backs to Christ. Every one of these men turned back to their homes, to their old jobs. They did not want to be there even at the crucifixion. One or two happened to stick around maybe from far away. One was close enough to the family. But I'd like to tell you some true facts, some statistics of where these men's lives ended. 
Some people would ask, how do you know Jesus rose? Like I said, the first thing is you can see its effects of the resurrection. You can see how it divided our history, how it, it changed the course of, 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 uh, of civilization. But to me, this is one of the greatest proofs. 34 AD, Stephen is stoned to death. 44 AD, James the Greater, brother of John, is beheaded. 50 AD, Matthew killed by sword. 61 AD, Barnabas stoned to death. Doesn't mean he smoked a lot of marijuana. It means he was literally stoned to death. 63 AD, James the Lesser thrown from the temple, also stoned and clubbed. 64 AD, Peter crucified upside down. 65 AD, Simon hacked to death. 65 AD, Bartholomew skinned alive and beheaded. 67 AD, Paul, formerly known as Saul, beheaded. 68 AD, Mark dragged through the streets. 69 AD, Andrew crucified. 70 AD, Thomas speared. 70 AD, Jude shot with arrows. 80 AD, Matthias stoned and beheaded. 84 AD, Philip's crucified. 84 AD, Luke crucified on an olive tree. 100 AD, John the last disciple survives boiling oil and is then exiled. For 70 years, these men preached a living Jesus. They saw him. They were eyewitnesses. Would I ask you, who would die for a lie? Who would die for that which they know didn't happen? These men had deserted God. They had walked away from the faith. Something happened in the course of 40 days after the crucifixion. Over 520 eyewitnesses. You know how many people it takes to convict you of a crime? How many eyewitnesses nowadays would take you to be convicted of a crime? Two eyewitnesses. One, still question it. Two, three, it's conclusive. 500 plus eyewitnesses, no one in the right mind would dare to go against the resurrection of Jesus within 200 centuries. Do you, two, two, two centuries, that's 200 years. Do you know why? Because no one was foolish enough to refute the fact that this man walked this earth after being crucified. The centurions that were put in front of the tomb to guard the body. Because see, the, the Jewish religious leaders believed that these disciples would create a sham. And so they put these this, this guards outside, this Roman guard, and they ended up giving their, check this out. The Romans were the most strict, most, uh, I don't know how you'd say it, sadistic punishers of, of at least that era. And these men, these, these Roman soldiers would not have lied against their own lives for someone they did not believe in. They did not believe in Jesus. They, did, they were not part of this. There was a, co a cohort of, of soldiers, a bunch of soldiers just guarding this tomb. They all were smacked by an angel. All of them. There's this earthquake that happened. It's in Matthew 28. If you go with me to Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. By the way, I feel really sorry for our translator because I'm going really fast. Sorry, Nadia. You're doing great. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> Y la otra María, it's okay, anyway, so we're going to go verse 1. Okay, so now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. I love it. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. Say with me, sat on it. So this, this, this. Intelligent humans decided that they would stop and thwart the plans of God. They said, we're going to keep Jesus in the grave and this is our great plan. We're going to put some highly trained soldiers and we're going to roll this huge stone in front of it. 
And I could just hear the laughter of heaven. I could just hear God go, <laughs> are you serious? Like I kind of flung the world into its orbit and all the other stars on it. I put the sun and I let it burn. I spoke universe into existence, a.k.a. the Big Bang. Does that make sense? Like I literally said, here, let there be light. And you think that a rock, a pebble, will stop my plans from somehow, way, developing on this earth. And this is what we try to do as human beings. We think, God, this cannot happen in my life. Your plans cannot go on in me. There's these rocks in my path. You see, there's this sin that I have. There's this mindset, this lack of studying, this lack of education. Or, or maybe it's my, my religious upbringing. Or my lack of religious upbringing. Or maybe the things I've done. Or even worse, the thing that's been done to me. And these are the rocks in my life that can, are going to thwart the plans that you have for me. Can I tell you, the fact that some of you are alive is a miracle itself. And the fact that you're in his house on Resurrection Sunday, these are rocks being moved out of your way. Man, I praise God for the angels that move the rocks so that you can be in the presence of God. I don't know who those angels are, but you should be really thankful to them. Because sometimes God will use, man, I'm telling you, God will use the, the, the unlikeliest of angels to move the biggest stones out of the way of our lives so that we can be face-to-face -face with him. I love, love the resurrection story. Not because it's a story, it's my story. I've seen God resurrect things in my life that would not have lived if he was not there. I was sharing with you guys in the previous service that my... Um, my birthday was on Friday. I turned uh, a very, I'm a child of 37 years of age. I'm a baby. I, I'm a fetus pretty much, you know. 37 years of age. And, uh, and at this young stage of my life, I began pastoring at the age of 17, which is too young for anyone. Honestly, I feel bad for the people that are in my church at the age of me, 17. It sucked because they were like, yeah. If you're still here with me, yeah, you're probably not. Okay, from the age of 17, you know. But I remember like, Honestly, the, the, the thing that really changed my heart and my mindset was the resurrection. Understanding that Jesus is alive. And that if he is alive, what do I do with him? Where do I put him? You see, sometimes we would love to do what just the religious people of the time did. You're going to stay in that tomb, stay in a corner, be quiet, don't influence, don't talk, don't do anything else. Just stay there. Because if you come out, I know you'll mess us up. You will mess the rest of my existence. And that's what happens, isn't it? Should we let Jesus out of the tomb? Should we believe his resurrection? Then your marriage should be impacted. Your children's lives should be impacted. The way we live should be impacted. But that's too difficult, isn't it? It is so difficult. But at the same time, it is the only life that I wholeheartedly believe will stand at the end. You see, the Tower of Pisa was, Pisa was built on the wrong foundation. It does not mean that we have to do the same with our lives. God, the architect, the builder of us. He can place our lives on the right foundation. What is the foundation of your life? Should your foundation be the resurrected Jesus, the stone of which we stand? If that was truly your foundation, if it is to be from here on out, I promise you, your generations will bless you. Your generations will thank you. This year, Hugh Heffner passed away. Some of you guys know who that is. Playboy Mansion Man. This year, Billy Graham also passed away. I'd like to ask you, who would you like to thank today? Who would we, as a generation, would like to thank? Hugh Hefner? Whose product or byproduct broke down more marriages than you will ever know until you get to heaven. 
We will not know how many children's minds were totally and utterly destroyed. Their innocence was robbed because they came across a magazine. You have no idea the cause and the effect of a man who did not have the foundation of the resurrected Jesus. Yet he was born in a Christian home. Hugh Hefner was raised in Christian, with Christian parents. You see, Billy Graham, on the other hand, he lived his life and he died his, in his life. He ended his life because he had a resurrected Jesus and he lived that way. I don't pertain, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make anyone in this room feel bad to the country. To encourage you to believe wholeheartedly that the same risen Jesus, the same risen Jesus that changed Saul into a Paul, the same risen Jesus that I'm telling you this, made a Billy the Graham stand in front of us, in front of the whole nation, states, governments, presidents, people throughout the world would just simply honor this man. Why? Because he had the right foundation. You see, I don't necessarily need precedence honoring, but I do want my children to say, my dad had the right foundation. I do want my wife to say, I praise God for the right foundation. I'd love for this church to be able to say, at least this man had the right foundation. I invite you to think simply, with, is my life on the right foundation? The American dream is such a short dream, it's such a small dream. The American dream, although it brings happiness, it cannot produce joy. The American dream could only bring something to the soul level, but not to the spirit level. It is only God's dream that can truly bring true, true joy. Judas, if he can speak, by the way, if I could invite any preacher to preach at this church, anyone, it would be Judas. Now, some of you guys are like, okay, okay, I'm walking out of this church. I'm going back to my old church. You know what I mean? Like, listen, if I could invite any preacher of all times to preach in this church, it would not be Peter. It would not be Paul. It would not be John. It would be the one who missed out on the resurrection power. It would be the one that was three days away from seeing the best things of his life. It would be the one that would remain, that would have seen miracle after miracle. And would have gotten the chance to not commit suicide, but rather live a life and a death. That would want other people's children to be named after him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This man, if he had the chance, he would have told you, I missed out on at least four things. I would have missed out on the first thing, which is peace. The peace of God cannot be given by anyone else. The peace of God is known as, as, as the, the storm raging and the Lord holding you in his arms. Sometimes the Lord calms the storm, but sometimes the Lord calms you in the middle of the storm. The peace of God comes in ways that you cannot produce, that you cannot imagine. It doesn't come through somebody necessarily saying to you, hey, have peace. It comes through moments that his voice speaks to you and you just know it surpasses all understanding. Like you're like, I don't even know why. I should be like falling apart right now. Yet God is doing something great. God sometimes sends angels, sometimes sends, sends people, songs, sermons, places, food, whatever it is that God wants to use. Tamales, like, yeah, praise God. You know what I mean? Whatever it is that God wants to use, he'll use. But I know that the peace of God lasts. John, are you here today? John, John, John. Can you come up here to the front, please? Thank you, sir. I'd like to ask John. Um, John shared with me, he called me the other day, and he shared with me an awesome testimony. We had your, your father's funeral here how long ago was this? Last month. So it was about a month ago. You know, we were all here with your family. I know some of them are still here today. Uh, and uh, if you just share with me what you shared with me on the phone, share with them. Uh, is that okay? Is that just kind of, okay, go. All right. Okay. 
Thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, so I wanted to share uh, my testimony, an example of uh, how God worked, worked in my life recently. So um, like Pastor said, my, my, pa my dad passed away. And um, it was a difficult time. If you've experienced that, you know exactly what, what, uh, what I'm talking about. Um, so he passed, and, and, and I took some time off from work. I was dealing with, with, with a lot. It was hard, um, pain. Um, you know, I, w I was down. So I took some time off of work, and for those of you who may know, may not know, but I'm, I'm a police officer, so it was, it was too hard for me to go back to work and focus and do that type of work. So I took a few weeks off. Um, went back to work. The first day I went back to work, I, uh, it was a bad day for me. I, I went out, I, I did what I do, and uh, you know, it, was, it was down. I was down. I, I kept uh, pausing from call to call and kind of gathering myself and um, dealing with, with a bad day. So I'll get to my point. I was, uh, uh, I'm trying to paint a picture with you, and if you can come with me, just follow me. So I'm driving in my uniform, in my patrol car, and uh, at a stop sign, I uh, kind of pause and I ask God, hey, um, God, be with me right now. I'm dealing with this, and, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's taking a toll on me, and I need to, I need to focus right now. Um, emotional, and I could honestly say I was a wreck. So as I'm driving, um, a few blocks up, go to stop sign, a stop sign, I notice a car to the right of me. I didn't think nothing of it, but I noticed a guy in there, random guy. He was white, random white guy, driving a car. We go to stop sign, a stop sign. Think nothing of it. I turn left, he goes straight, and uh, I park, and uh, take a moment, and I, and I ask God, again, be with me. I, I need to focus. I, I need this pain. I take my pain. I, I, I need you with me, Lord. I open my eyes, and at that point, that guy who was right beside me is now, I guess he parked, came around, and he's parked a few cars up facing me, and he's kind of jogging to me. And I'm uh, wondering, okay, what's, what's up with this guy, right? <laughs> so my, my training kicks in, and I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. He doesn't look like he's a threat. So he's walking up to my car, and he goes, hey, how you doing? And I sit there, and I go, good, what's up? And then he goes, uh, hey, um, you know, God put it in my heart <laughs> to come and talk to you. And, uh, you know, my, my emotions came, took over me, and I was like, I looked at him, and I know how God works, so I, I, I <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise. So I look at him, and yeah, I, I, uh, naturally I start to tear up. And he goes, hey, um, he wants you to know that everything's going to be okay. He puts his arm on, my arm was out the window, and he puts his arm on my arm, and he goes, um, and I and I am tearing up, and I go, thank you. And he goes, what's going on? And I explained to my dad a past, and I'm and I'm dealing with that right now. And he goes, okay. He goes, can I pray for you? And um, I say, absolutely. So we're sitting there. 
on a public road <laughs> in my uniform in my cop car. <laughs> a stranger here to my right, my left. <laughs> Cars are passing. And I, I, I'm going with it. I said, okay, I'm closing my eyes. And he just starts to pray over me. And uh, God's presence just took over. Presence just took over and, and just the overwhelming feeling I can't, I, 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 it's hard for me to explain it. So, yeah. Uh, um, after that, he goes, hey, can, can I give you a hug? <laughs> and, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going with it. I'm going with it. <laughs> so I get out of my car. <laughs> Stranger, tall, white guy. Cars are passing. <laughs> Gives me a hug. And um, it, that hug was, I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was, it was God himself. That hug was amazing. It was amazing. So, yeah, I shared the story. Yeah. Glory, glory to God. I, I, shared, I shared the story with Pastor P, and I'm sure he heard testimonies before, but he was in awe. So he wanted me to share with you, and um, also on that note, if anyone here is dealing with something similar and pain, hurt, confusion, I'm sitting. I'm standing here to tell you right now. You 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 give it to God. You don't lose faith, and and I promise he, he he will, he will be there with you, and he'll grab you and he'll hug you, and 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 he'll take it from you. You just gotta you gotta have faith. So, thank you. Now I know God had to send you a white guy because no Mexican's gonna run up on a cop and trying to give you a hug. I know that for sure. <laughs> Anyway, that was awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I, uh, I know that God, God works in so many incredible, we hear it, you know, God works in mysterious ways, but that's the peace of God, that it comes through ways that you're like, really? You know what I mean? In the middle of El Monte, <laughs> some guy just hugging a cup, praying for him, in the middle of his need, and, and it's just the way God works. I don't know which angels God will send your way, but if you do remember this today, that that is a resurrection peace of God. When God resurrects, he doesn't just resurrect and leave. He leaves his peace with you. That's what he said. My peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. That is the resurrection peace. That's what Judas missed out on. The second thing he would have told you he missed out on. And he would have said to you, it's not too late for you. It was too late for me. I ended my own life. I did not wait three days. He would tell you the, third, the second thing you need is forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Judas was not able to forgive himself. The hardest person to forgive usually is the person closest to you. Whether that is you or the person that violated your trust, that, that messed with your, with your trust. You can say, yeah, I forgive you, but I don't know if I really want you to be blessed. See, Judas, he was not able to forgive himself, and so he ended his life. Now, I don't pretend to send him to hell because I'm not the one who does that. But he died without Christ. He died without a resurrected Savior. According to the scripture, this man ended his life, yet he committed the same sin as Peter. As a matter of fact, Peter did it three times. He did not just deny him once, but three times. You see, Jesus was not just rejected or betrayed by one of his disciples. We always blame Judas. But there was more than just one. They all deserted him. But what was the difference? Why did Peter live the rest of his life 
for Jesus. What made him die crucified upside down as he said, I'm not worthy to die as my king? Why? Why not like Judas? It is because of the third day he shows up in his house. He calls him, say, go call the disciples and Peter. He says, and Peter, specifically that guy that's out fishing, go get him. Because he's no longer a part of the disciples. But go get Peter. And so Peter comes back and he receives the second thing that Judas would have said I did not get. And that is the forgiveness for sins. In this place, in this moment, Easter is more than just time off work. Or time off, you know, or spring break. Ice. It's so sad that we reduced it to a break. It is not a break. It is not just a time where we get to spend time at the house with the family. I'm so glad you're in the house of God. You know why? Because Easter is not just about family. Yes, it's about the family's redemption through the cross. Does that make sense? It's about God being God, not just a God, not just some guy, a good teacher. Either he's a liar or he's the Lord. Either he conned us all, millions and millions and thousands of years of a lie, because he himself declared to be the Lord. He was crucified because he would not say that he was not the king of the Jews. He was the Lord of Lords. Christ is not his middle name, by the way. It's not Jesus Christ like Pablo Elias. It's not. He's like, oh, your name's Elias? Yes. Right? It's actually Christ is his title. Christ is who he is. The Savior, the Redeemer, the Christ. So it's Jesus, the Christ. Imagine that, that Jesus would come not just to please you, but to sanctify you, to forgive you and me for all sins. Now, this is where it really, it really bugs me a lot because I work on a human scale. And so I grade sins in my own life at least. And I try not to do it for others, but for me it's easy because one sin is bigger than the other sin. And so therefore I'm not as bad as Judas. But I'm also not as good as Peter. In truth, sin is sin. And sin wrecked Jesus' life. It nailed him to the cross. The cup that he drank was your cup and my cup. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. Here's the cool thing about that. Jesus didn't only go and pay for sin, but he also resurrected to give you a life eternal. He didn't bring the, the count back to zero. He now gives you fullness and eternity and everlasting life. You see, it is so hard to forgive when we're not forgiven. I feel really bad for people that do not live in forgiveness. My teacher one time told me, she said, the ability to Act redemptive is true, is the true meaning of maturity. The ability to act redemptive in any given situation. Let me ask you, do you have a redeeming heart? Do we have a redeeming heart? And I'm not acting like, I'm not saying that you should pretend like nothing's happening. Like, oh, you know, I just wear, you know, these glasses because, you know, you got big purple eyes. It doesn't mean you should keep putting up with it. It does mean you should walk around with forgiveness and redemption in your heart. Desiring and believing that God can change situations and God can change things. I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to pour his love and his forgiveness on you today. And if you receive nothing else, remember this. That there's nothing that Christ could not forgive. Should Judas have repented, he would have forgiven him just as he forgave Peter. Do you know why Jesus had to ask Peter, do you love me three times? It is because three times he denied him. Because three times he said, nope, I don't know the guy. Nope, I don't know the guy. Nope, I don't know the guy. And Jesus wanted to make sure that three times he remembered Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. I believe Jesus wanted to hear Peter confess it three times. I don't know how many times you've denied Jesus. I know how many times, and I can't count actually, 
I've denied him many times with my own words, with my own actions. Of course, perhaps not as I used to. But sometimes when I'm walking in the flesh, when instead of walking in the resurrection power, and I allow the flesh of me to get the best of me, I walk as though he never resurrected. I get worried as though he never resurrected. Do you ever get worried as though he never resurrected? Do you lose peace? Do you lose forgiveness as though he never resurrected? The third thing is the power. Judas always jocked for power. He always wanted power. As a matter of fact, some people believe that Judas denied Jesus or he betrayed Jesus because Jesus' plan was not his plan. See, Judas wanted revolution. He wanted this new political order, this new world order, and Jesus would die at the cross. The moment Jesus said, I'm going to die at the cross, Judas said, forget this. I'm not with this plan anymore. My plan is to take over, hostile takeover. Oh, I like it when you say the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I want that kind of Jesus. But don't tell me about the crucifi crucifixion. Don't tell me about dying of self for the sake of other people. Don't tell me about turning the other cheek. Don't tell me that you're going to go and die because I don't believe that. You see, he didn't have a resurrected Jesus. He had a miracle worker. He had one who would feed him, one who would teach him, one who would heal so many Christians throughout the world, we have a healer, and praise God for that. We have a great teacher, and praise God for God. Man, we have an amazing Lord, but is he really the resurrected Jesus? Should Judas have a resurrected Jesus, he would have had true power to change, true power to decide, true power to say yes, and true power to say no. We sometimes, men, can I be honest with you guys, men, we're shackled to our pride because we have no power to say no. We're shackled to us because we cannot overcome our pride and what people will say and the things that people would say of us because we're shackled to pressure. Now, I know it sounds very high school-y, but adults live the same way. Women, many times you are shackled to your emotions. Can I just be honest with you for a little bit? Understanding that I have a wife, and I could talk like this because my best friend is, is a girl. <laughs> I can tell you this, that many times your emotions grab a hold of you and it might as well be a demon. It's like you become an emotional drunk. You're like, and just people receive it. And you're like, no, get away. And, like, and God has given you resurrection power that you don't live shackled to your emotions. And yet, and yet, we sometimes live as though he didn't rise from the dead. As though he has power over death, just not over my emotions. Come on, really? Like you mean to tell me that God overcame death. He went to hell. Boom, busted the doors from the inside. Walked out with victory. And he cannot overcome your emotions. See, the power of God, it should show all the time. But we cannot live in the power of God unless we live in his resurrection. This is the last thing that Judas, I know this is nuts. And this whole verse, and I call this the title of this sermon, the great omission. Not the great commission. Because in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, it, it talks about the great commission. Now, Chris, are you still here? Great. In the previous, uh, you know, coming up here real quick. Now, uh, he, he's going to tell you guys what the Great Commission says of the scripture because he's one of the leaders of the church. And, you know, he's a uh, great guy. He's single. He played soccer professional in Mexico and a uh, great businessman. And he's, uh, his mom is here. And so, you know, what else could you want? You have the platform for yourself to tell us how you memorize the Great Commission. All right. Go. All our all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name, to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey and observe everything I have commanded you. Uh, and, I'll be, uh, and I'll be with you until the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Second chance, redemption, redemption. Awesome work. Okay, that is the great 
co-mission. Why is it co-mission? Because the Holy Spirit will be with you to do the mission he sent you to do, which is win souls and make disciples. So people all the time want to know what's my purpose in life or, or how do I know my purpose in life and just go to the scripture, win souls and make disciples. Wait, 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 hold on a second, Pastor. Is it that simple? Really, it's that simple. You may be a doctor. You may ride bikes. You may restore cars. You may be a nurse. You may be a teacher. But to win souls and make disciples is our call. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. If, if it was good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for you. If it's good enough for me. And so as a husband, I ought to make soul, win souls and make disciples. Disciples of my children. Man, to win their hearts and to win their soul is a lot harder than it sounds. Some parents would say amen to me right now. It's a lot harder. But that is our call to win souls and to make disciples. The problem is that we lose the sight of our call because we lose the sight of the resurrection. If he's not risen, then I don't have to do what he did because he's dead. To me, he's just a great fable, a great story that gives me culture. It gives me identity, but it does not give me purpose. The resurrection of Jesus ought to give us purpose. Christianity without purpose is the most boring of religions. You will hate it, I promise you. You will hate church. You'll hate the person telling you about these things. Because purpose, it gives you power for the future. If I ask you today, what is the purpose for which you're here this morning? That purpose will guide so much of what you think, what you feel, what you learn, what you write, and what you live with. If your purpose in this world is to make money, then you don't need Jesus. I don't need Jesus to make money. I know it sounds really cocky, right? But at the end of the day, if Jesus' purpose was to make you money, he would have been an economist, not a savior. I don't need Jesus to graduate. Many Jesus-less people, actually antichrist people. End up getting great degrees. Like Hawkins. Died this, this year as well. Without Jesus. All his intelligence. Rotting in hell. Now why do I say, I know it sounds really harsh. I know, but it's not me. Honestly, read the Bible. It's all there, baby. All of it. All of it. The only way, the truth and the life is through Jesus Christ. And so here's the, the crazy thing about this. That we are all here today in Resurrection Sunday. And you think you came to church but you did not come to church. You are the church. We are the church. This building, I promise you, at some point is going. It's done. Matter of fact, we may just sell it and buy the bigger one because we can't fit here anymore. Amen? But this building is not the church. I tell you what, many pastors greater than us, my wife and I, have come before us. Churches have fallen apart because people end up messing up. We're not the church. We are the church. You are the church. In my home, I bring the church. In my job, I bring the church. Where I'm standing, where I am, I am the church. We are the body of Christ. The purpose of the church is not that you would feel good or that you would like it. As a matter of fact, if you don't like some things today, it's probably a good thing. Because it's not about you. If you think the church was made for you, you're not God and neither am I. If... If there are things that are rubbing you the wrong way, it's called spiritual sandpaper. And I love it. Like my wife, for example. She's my greatest spiritual sandpaper ever. I love her so much because she's like grit 60. You guys know what sandpaper is like. You got the 220, you got the 500, the 2000, the wet sandpapers. But then you got the 60. The 60 is what you need to strip paint off, to strip the facade off. My wife does that kind of thing. She's like, really, Pablo, really? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, 
this is the thing that really refines us, that says, okay, Lord, am I really living on purpose? If I ask you today, seriously, is your purpose still the resurrection purpose? What was the power? What was the resurrection purpose? I'm going to finish with this as to go eat King Taco. <laughs> um, in John 11, 25, 26, as Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? And I'd ask you the same question, do you believe this? Okay, so Jared and Chris believe. Do you? <laughs> okay, okay. No, see, to believe the resurrection power, it means this. I don't have to dress different. I don't have to go remove my tats. I don't have to take the earrings off. I don't have to cut my hair. I don't have to shave my beard. Matter of fact, it's not on the outside. It really, really isn't. I love how Jesus calls a Peter who's from the sea, and he calls a doctor and a tax collector. Does that make sense? And he calls all people from different walks of life. He uses a Mary and another Mary and yet another Mary. We can't figure out which Mary it is. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? He uses a prostitute as much as he uses... Does that make sense? That God would say, I don't care who you are, where you've been, what's been done to you, welcome. You're welcome. Do you know why? Come on, give God a shout of praise. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because you can be the resurrected Jesus. It's going to sound super weird, but bear with me for a second. You can be the resurrected Jesus to somebody, and I don't mean that you are the one who's going to die for them, but maybe, just maybe, they'll never walk into a church unless they see the church alive. Unless they see a Jesus living, unless they see, like Nietzsche said, I don't believe in resurrection unless I see it in you. I know in your life, and in my, like Mahatma Gandhi said it, I would have become a Christian had I met one. You believe that? Who was oppressing him? A state ruled by the church. Who was his oppressor? If not, those that should have represented the Jesus in this, in this world, not just in this country. Man, we came from there. Does that make sense, this nation? Why do I tell you this? Because I know for a fact that you're a missionary and you ought to live in a mission. We are missionaries. Today, you're being sent out to a mission. Your mission field, the first mission field is your house. The person that is next to you. Love them to death. Love them to life. Love them back to life and love them to your death. Because that's honestly the easiest way to do it. It's the hardest, really. Love them to your death and love them back to life. I know that all of us in here have an incredible purpose. But I can tell you this. Christianity, without purpose, it is so horrible. It makes some prideful folk and it makes some others feel horrible. Christianity without purpose. Man, when you walk as a Christian and you think it's about learning, if you're like me, you'll feel like an idiot. Because you can't learn the things others learn. I don't know geek. I mean Greek. Does that make sense? I can't possibly figure some things out. I don't have the brain capacity. Does that make, I mean, ah, don't say that, Pastor. No, really, dude. There's some really smart people out there that when I listen to them, I'm like, okay, dog, like, I could spend 50 hours a day trying to do that, and I still wouldn't get there. See, but Christianity is this, this beautiful, incredible extension of his arms that says, come here. I want to use you. You may be a finger, but I'll use you as one of my fingers. You know what I mean? Some of us may be... Feet, you know. <laughs> but God wants to use you. The purpose of God in your life, may you never die like Judas. Without forgiveness, 
without peace, without power, and without purpose. If we are to die, and we will all die, good news for some, bad news for others. We're all going, all of us. We're not in the land of the living. We're in the land of the dying, going to the land of the living, true living. Does that make sense? We will all get there. I know, and that sounds like bad news. It's a great news. Sickness is gone. No more pain, no more sorrow. Those that we loved, listen, I'll see my dad in heaven. I, I, that's an awesome thing. Like, I can't wait to hug him. Like, it's going to be cool. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I do look like you. That makes sense. You know, like, ah, oh, okay, good. You know, I, I, I want to, I want to get there. I want to have relationship with Christ uninterrupted. If you ever spent a moment in the presence of God, and I don't mean just singing, I mean in his presence. Sometimes songs just get on the way when you're in his presence. Sometimes, sometimes they get you there. But I just encourage you guys to say, Lord, I want to live a life that has the power of the resurrection present. If we can all stand for just a second, please. Um, there'll be some music playing on the background, but don't let it get on the way. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you found an angel that sits on a stone. And he waits there. Oh, I love this part of the Bible, man. I wish it was thicker. I wish it had more detail. I wish it could tell me more story. I want to see it. You know, I want to smell it. I want to hear it. But this is what it says. I love it, man. This is awesome. You go to verse 3. And his appearance was like lightning. And his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They fainted. Can you see that? Well, just started falling. They're freaking scared. They can't even get up. The angel said to the women, listen, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. For he has risen. Just as he said he would. Come see the place where he was laying. Go quickly now. Tell his disciples that he has risen. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Check this out. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and with great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Jesus Christ, would you close your eyes with me for a second, guys? I ask you that if there's anybody here, Lord, that has gone looking for God in the wrong places. Maybe they found a dead God such as money or education or relationships, and that God has let them down. Dear God, I know you cannot be found on cathedrals, for you don't dwell in stones. You could be found in people's lives. God, I pray right now that you may be found in us throughout our families and our schools and our workplace, that it would be more than religion. It would be a true, genuine relationship with you, God. If there's anyone here, God, that's struggling to live a life that honors you, I pray right now that your resurrection power will come over them, God, and give them true grit, true toughness, the true strength of a man, of a woman, that would say no to a world that oppresses and pushes and imposes. And say yes to a Lord who dies. Who loves. Who recklessly believes. Who cares. Who builds and not destroys. 
God, I pray right now that if there's someone in this room that says, I want to give my life to Jesus, it's a great day to do it on a resurrection Sunday. God, I pray if there's someone here that wants to recommit their lives to you. Man, I believe, Lord, that there's couples, there's families, there's, there's co-workers, there's people here, God, that have been wanting to draw close to you, but so much is pulling them away. The rocks of the world are keeping them apart. Lord, I thank you. Because you can move stones, you can move mountains. I pray right now, Lord, that right here, right now, you know the word of God says that if you believe, even just as a mustard seed, if you have that tiny little bit of faith and you tell the mountain to move, that big boulder, big mountain will throw itself into the sea. I know the context of that. I know why God says that. Because it takes faith. It takes true faith to say, God, yes, you are Lord. Yes, you stand above me. Yes, I am not the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life. I am, I am accountable to a creator for I have a purpose. God, I thank you because I know today you will hear the words of those that want to declare you as Lord. That none that came today would ever wonder at the end of their days where their eternity will be spent. That they would truly say, I said yes to Jesus. I said yes to his resurrection power and it is mine now. If you want to tell him, if you want to recommit your life or give him your life, tell him, Jesus Christ, this morning I give you my heart and I give you my life. I am sorry for all my sins. I recognize that it was me and no one else's fault. I beg you to forgive me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying a horrible death on a cross. It should have been me, but it was you. Jesus, thank you for paying the price that I should be paying. Thank you, Jesus. I give you my life and I give you my heart. Forgive me. Change me. Make me the person that you want me to be. Jesus Christ, I want to know you more. I want to follow you. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Not because I am good, but because you are good. Because you deserve it. I don't know everything, but I want to know you. In your name I pray. Now let me pray for you. Dear God, I pray right now for those that need peace. Just as John needed when his father passed away. And just as he continues to need, as I continue to need, a Lord who will be there in the oddest, toughest times. I pray for anyone here who has suffered loss or anyone here who is going through a time of despair. I pray that your peace will surpass all understanding. That will go and will hug them even now as I pray. God, that your peace will come over their lives, that will let them know just as that man came to a police officer in a patrol car and said, everything is going to be okay. Dear God, I pray right now that you let them know that you are with them. And as long as you're with them, who or what can be against them? Dear God, I pray right now that you bring the peace of your resurrection into their lives. That lets them know that death is not the end, that troubles will one day end, but your love and your grace endures forever. I pray right now, God, for anyone who's here struggling to forgive, that they would know that they have been forgiven for so much more. God, that they would let go of the prisoners of their hearts. And that right here, right now, they would believe you, Lord, to have the power. Oh, man, God is giving you right now forgiveness power. And it's unnatural. It's not human. It's not like us. From the time we're little, we need to be taught to forgive. Because it's not in our nature. But God is telling you obedience will pay off. Obedience will pay off. Forgive because it's not even for the other person. It's that you would be free from the sickness of rancor and anger and resentment. Let the peace of God, let the forgiveness of God reign in your home. I pray right now, Lord, now, God, that you give them the power to forgive. And I ask you, I beg you, God, 
that they would have the power, Lord, to change, the power to say no to those things that are hurting their spouse and their kids, power to say no to selfishness and self-centeredness. God, please help us, Lord. Help the, the fathers of this house, God, the fathers of this place, Lord, to say no to the important things so they could say yes to the most important things in their lives, God. Lord, I pray right now that you make us givers of time to our own. God, that our kids would never starve of love, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you help us grow closer to you and closer to those that you have given to us. And last thing I pray for this awesome church, God, that you continue to keep us on purpose. That nothing that we would do would be about us or about a show or about growing in numbers, God. It would be growing in you, Lord. That this church would glorify your name. That every member of this church, God, would not think that church is a Sunday thing. But it's a Monday through Saturday and Sunday we celebrate God. That we would go out and be the church. That we would have the purpose of winning souls and making disciples, God. That you help us to grow and to extend your kingdom. Jesus, we thank you for this amazing, amazing day. Because over 2,000 years, you defeated death. You conquered the grave, God. You are risen. You are risen. You are risen, God. You are risen, God. You are risen, Lord. You are risen, God. You rose from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. You are risen, God. You are risen. And in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise.